this morning, I want to focus on happiness in heaven. You see, this is really a contrast to the lesson that I delivered last week. Last week, we talked about the horrors of hell, and I want you to understand hell is worse than anything that any of us can imagine. The Bible uses such graphic terms to describe how bad hell is to the point which none of us would ever want to even sample what it is like. The Bible does use rewards and punishments to try to point out to us the right way to live. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, he was talking about those people who had believed in God, been obedient to his word, as in contrast with those who chose not to. And he said, therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. God holds out just like we do for our own children, rewards and punishments, choices, and you and I can make the choice to enjoy the blessings which God offers I'd like for you to imagine for just a moment visiting a special place in your mind. I have several that have come to my mind. And when you come back, you want to describe it to others. I know some of you this past week took your children to Disney World. And you come back and you tell them, Oh, this was so beautiful. All these things were there and the kids just loved it every minute. Sometimes I get the privilege of going overseas to visit the Bible lands. And I, I try to come back and I tell people how beautiful the city of Jerusalem is. Oh, it's not beautiful in the sense of color. But you get to walk where Jesus walked. You see, you come back and you tell people how great something is. And then you want to encourage people to go there. You need to see it for yourself. Heaven is such a wonderful place of bliss and happiness that when you and I read and study about it in the Bible, it ought to make us want to go there. Not only us, but it ought to make us want to take others there with us. Here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to talk about heaven is real. It's not just a fantasy. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a real place. But you've got to understand the way the Bible presents heaven. Then I want to talk about heaven is bliss. The way the Bible pictures it and the way you and I ought to want to uh, enjoy the blessings that are there. And then finally, like we did when we talked about the horrors of hell, heaven is forever. No end. So many people are confused on the subject of eternity. When you talk about hell and when you talk about heaven, people are just, they're really confused because most of their views about what it is has come from television or books or magazines or comics or things such as that. They don't go to the proper source. And in fact, what's sad today is more and more people are denying God, but they still believe in heaven. That's just amazing to me. 
In fact, I looked at a survey that was done just a few months ago by a research firm, and here's what they concluded. There's a chart on the screen in front of you. And what it shows in the last 40 years from 1974 to 2014, the number of people who never pray, the number of people who have no religion, and the number of people who never go to a religious service at all has just consistently risen. We're becoming a much more secular society. We're becoming more and more like what Europe is now, where church buildings have become nothing more than monuments that people go to and, and visit. People are today doing so well financially. People are doing so well in their lives. They have good health. They have everything that they seem to want and they don't believe they need God. Of course, if you do a little more study in the survey, you realize that as people grow older and they mature and they recognize life, they realize that this world is not all there is. Health is not guaranteed. Wealth will not always continue. And they realize they, as they get older, their need for God and their dependence upon God. But as our society becomes more secular, there's something that's really confusing about that. This same group that did the study of how we're becoming more and more godless, the same people were asked the question, what about life after death? Do you believe that you will go to heaven? Even of those who don't even believe the God believe they're going to go to heaven. It's just simply amazing to me. It's remained consistent over the past 40 years that about 80% of the people believe they're going to go to heaven. Well, if that's true and there are people who believe that, then it's important for us to go to the Bible and find that out. And here's the problem. It's because men today have become so enamored with this physical world and with science, they believe that if we can be just smart enough, that somehow we can be able to invent a telescope, that we can look out to the outer far edges of our universe, and somehow we can discover God. We can see the sign, here's heaven. I'm sorry, the Hubble telescope will not find that, nor will its successor find that, because it's not in the visible creation when I get to the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing about people who are suffering for their faith. People who are growing older in life. And he says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now listen carefully to verse 18 while we do not look at the things which are seen. But the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What he's trying to tell us is that when you start looking for eternal things, you don't see them with a telescope. Many scientists continue to speculate about when and how this world began. 
they have gotten to the point where they ignore Genesis 1-1, which still says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They are looking in the wrong places for the answers. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of that. You know, on the Sunday morning, which the Lord rose from the dead... There were people who went to the tomb. And they looked inside of that grave. They looked inside of that tomb. They rolled, the stone was rolled away. And as they put their head inside and as they looked, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, and they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? You're looking in the wrong place. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's risen from the dead. So many people are looking for heaven in the wrong place. Let me give you a second illustration. Luke chapter 17. The Pharisees had in their minds that when Jesus came, he was not going to be a spiritual leader. He was going to be a secular, a physical leader like Saul or David leading a nation of people. And so he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered and said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. He's trying to impress upon them is that the kingdom of God was not this physical, secular thing called the church. Now, how do I know this is true? When I go to the great resurrection chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 50, Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. He goes on to say, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. All you see, heaven is not a part of this physical universe. It's not a place of flesh and blood. John 4, 24 says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You remember about four or five weeks ago when we were studying the great passage about loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength? And we talked about loving God with the soul of man. It's not that physical part of man. It's that spiritual part. But God has revealed some of what heaven will be like. Let me for just a moment try to persuade you to to think on this, to, to really mull it around in your mind. I had a teacher many, many years ago who tried to impress this upon us. He'd say, young man, let me ask you a question. You've got a job. There's a man in the 1800s who's living, and you've got to describe to him what a radiator cap is. 
You say, oh, that's an easy job. I know what a radiator cap, it goes on top of a radiator that goes in front of an engine. But how do you describe that to a person who's never seen an automobile? Who's never seen an internal combustion engine? And so you have to use things that they begin to know and they understand. And so as I approach the Bible, I recognize that not all of it has been revealed. 1 John 3, 2 said, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him even as He is. We will take on the nature of the realm that Jesus did after his resurrection from the dead. A spiritual one. I would like to be able to spend time with John's revelation in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. I'm just going to choose some select verses from chapter 21 to give you a little bit of a picture of John describing this to us. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Do you know why there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying, there's no more pain? Because this physical body is no longer in the picture, the flesh and the blood. We're in a spiritual realm then. Oh, but John has to describe this to our feeble minds. He has to use figures of speech. Remember like when they described the first automobiles, the horseless carriage? People had to understand what it was like. And so when you drop down to verse 10, he says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Do you see that word like? He's trying to convey to our feeble minds what it's like. Oh, it's just like precious stones. And when I think of something clear as crystal, I think of diamonds. Of course, in their day, jasper was that stone. Verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent like glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of light from of the sun or of the moon shine it, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is its light. Oh, he's given a picture here of beautiful gates. You know, we don't live in walled cities, and we don't have these beautiful ornate gates that some of the Old Testament cities did, and even the New Testament cities. But can you imagine one being so beautiful as to be made out of Something like pearl? Or can you imagine something like streets being made out of gold? But 
Not only is it gold, but it's transparent. He's trying to convey to our feeble minds the beauty and the grandeur of this place. And he talks about the nations and the kings bringing their glory into it. And there'll be some real people in heaven too. You know, I wish I could go through and just pull out a whole bunch of great folks. I just really want to just touch base on a few of them. Like, for instance, Enoch, that grand old patriarch from Genesis 5 and verse 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He didn't die. God took him on, evidently changed him like those who will be alive when the Lord returns again. Or I can go to Moses, Matthew 17 and verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. That's when he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Or Elijah just said in 2 Kings 2.11 that just like Enoch, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire with horses of fire and the two separated them and Elijah went up into a whirlwind into heaven. Or I think about David's statement in 2 Samuel 12.23. You know, David's child that was born of Bathsheba was going to die. And when they came and told David that the child had died, his famous statement, but now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. As Brother Larry read just a few moments ago, Jesus is preparing that special place. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus has returned to heaven, waiting the time for his return to earth, at which time the judgment day will come, the righteous will be taken to eternal life, and the wicked will be consigned to hell. But now I've tried to point out to you that hell's a, heaven is a real place, and I've tried to at least describe to you that it has some unique characteristics, but I want you to think for a moment, what about heaven? What would make it such a place of happiness? Why would I want to go to heaven? Well, if I were to ask you to design the place in your mind that you wanted to spend eternity, what kind of characteristics would it have? Well, I know some of the ones I would want. Number one, I wouldn't want anything negative there, anything bad. You know, occasionally I go on a trip, and when I arrive somewhere, there's so many majestic things to see. I remember just a few years ago when we went on the trip to Egypt and to Israel, and we came to the foot of Mount Sinai. I was just excited looking up and seeing Mount Sinai and realize that's where Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law. 
And then I went in the hotel and rain was pouring through the roof and there were cats on the table. And we went into the rooms and the rooms were nasty and uh, is negative things there. I'd love to go back to Mount Sinai, but I don't care a bit in the world to go back to St. Catherine's Hotel at all. But do you realize when you get to heaven, there's not going to be anything negative there. Revelation 21, 27, there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're not going to have any bad people there. That's going to be worth a lot. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and of the like, which I told you beforehand, even as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't have to worry that there are going to be thugs in heaven. I don't have to worry that there's going to be murderers there. I don't have to worry that I'm going to bump into a drunk because they're not going to be there. There's not going to be any negativity in heaven. That will make it bliss. It will be a happy place. When I think of happiness, I also think of of things that bring joy. For instance, Revelation 21.4 again, I'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no more pain. You won't find a morning which you come up and you say, Oh no, I found out I've got cancer. There won't be a morning which you can get up and say, oh, my back aches, or my head hurts, or my heart is heavy. Revelation, or excuse me, Romans 8 and verse 18, writing to Christians suffering for their faith, he said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It will be a restful place. You know, I'm one of these people, when I go on vacation, I have a hard time relaxing until about the third or fourth day, just about the time that you get ready to come back. When I go to Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews 4 9 says, Therefore remains a rest for the people of God. Galatians 6 9, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Oh, there is a place of rest for the children of God. But then I also think about when I go somewhere that I. I really enjoy is I find people there that I like to be in their company. Good folks. People that you would love to spend some time with. Hebrews 12, verse 22. 
But you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to the God of the just judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirits of just men made perfect. Oh, what great place that will be. Now, very quickly, let me talk about heaven is forever. Now, we've all enjoyed places that we've been, you know, that's been fun to us. There's been a lot of happiness and bliss there. A lot of fond memories. The problem is, those places don't last. I can remember very vividly when I was a young boy, the first year that Disney World opened up, my daddy came on the Thanksgiving week and said, we're going to go to Florida and we're going to go to, he said, Disneyland. Of course, it's Disney World there. And I remember going that week and spending about three days there. And I remember that last day, we hadn't seen everything we wanted to see. He says, time to go home. I'm like, no, I want to I want to stay. I'm enjoying this. You don't have to worry about heaven. It lasts. It's forever. Let me just give you some passages that talk about life everlasting. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 6, verse 27, Do not labor for food which perishes, but food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because your Father, God the Father, has set His seal on Him. Verse 40, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him has everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Verse 47, most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me has everlasting life. Do you start seeing a pattern develop here? How our Lord is extending everlasting life. Romans 6 verse 22, but now having been set from free from sin and becoming slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end everlasting life. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, he's talking about what a man sows. He says, he that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, now, how do you know that you really have the appreciation for heaven like you ought to? It's when you get excited about the prospects of going there. There are times and places, even now, here on this earth, when someone says, oh, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, I get excited. There's a lot of anticipation building up. Is there anticipation in your mind about going to heaven? In Philippians 1 and verse 23, Paul says, I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is... Far better. You look at it. Living life here as best as it can be. 
And if you had the choice, you would choose to go to heaven every time. Chapter 3, verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Right now, would you be excited to know that the Lord will return before we sing the invitation song? Would you? Would you be ready to open arms and say, There's the Lord, I'm thrilled, heaven is here now. You need to ponder that for a moment. Second Peter 3.12 says, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This physical universe will be dissolved. What do you have to look forward to? You must make your plans to go there by becoming a Christian and living the Christian life. You'll go ahead and get your songbooks out. We're going to sing this song of encouragement this morning. And I wish that you would seriously consider the question I asked you just a moment or two ago. Would you be thrilled with the Lord's coming? If you're not thrilled, then there's probably something in the way. There's probably something in your mind that says, I'm not ready for Him to come. Well, if you're not ready for Him to come, I'd like to ask you to do one or two things. Number one, if you're not ready for Him to come and you don't know what it is that you need to do, please, after services this morning, let me know. I'd love to sit down for us to just visit, to talk, for us to be able to talk about your eternal future. But if you know what you need to do, what greater day than today to say, I want to become a New Testament Christian. Everything is ready for you. There's garments ready. The water is ready and it's warm. We'd love to see someone baptized into Christ. Eternity is too long. Heaven is too precious for you to miss it. Would you come while we stand and sing?